0: Today, I'm going to be interviewing Grant Baldwin. Grant is a nationally known speaker, podcaster, and author who has helped thousands of people start and build their own speaking business through his training company, The Speaker Lab. He's regularly featured in the national media, including Forbes, Inc., Entrepreneur, and The Huffington Post, a podcaster since 2014. He's published over 400 podcast episodes. He loves talking all things speaking, entrepreneurship, marketing, family, and motivating other leaders and entrepreneurs. He lives with his wife and three daughters near Nashville, Tennessee. Grant, welcome to the Extraordinary Man podcast. It's awesome to have you on here today. How are you doing? Doing awesome, man. Thanks for letting me hang out with you, Ryan. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we love diving into people's backstories here on the Extraordinary Man podcast. So tell us a little bit more about your backstory.
1: Yeah, so um, like you mentioned, uh, the most important roles I know we'll, we'll dig into is uh, I'm uh, married to my high school sweetheart. We have three beautiful daughters, so it's me and a house full of women. It's the absolute best. Uh, my wife and I just celebrated our 20 uh, year uh, wedding anniversary, um, and so that's the those are the two roles that really define I think who who I am. So as far as a professionally and kind of background, um, I was actually I was really involved in my youth group in high school at my local church, and my youth pastor had a really big impact in my life, and and. I was like, I want to do that. That just seems super cool. And so, um, that's kind of the path I was on. I went to Bible college and, and, um, eventually worked at a different local church as a youth pastor. And that gave me a lot of opportunities to speak. Uh, speaking was one of those things I, I felt like I was decent at. I wanted to do more of, uh, I just didn't know how where to go from there. Um, in college, I worked for a guy who was a, a full-time speaker. So I kind of got to help him a little, a little bit behind the scenes in terms of helping with like uh, travel and logistics, contracts, that sort of thing. And so I kind of get to see like, okay, this is a thing, but how do I make it my thing? And, and again, what does that look like? And so uh, I started uh, at the time just emailing other speakers and reaching out to other speakers. There weren't really any podcasts or course or training or books or resources on how do you find gigs and what do you speak about and how does this mysterious world work? And so uh, after reaching out to to several speakers, learned a few things and got to a point where I was able to book a few gigs and eventually some more gigs and more gigs and got to a point where I was doing about 60, 70 paid speaking engagements a year. Uh, and then I had a lot of people who are asking me like, Hey man, I want to I want to be a speaker. How, how do I do that? And so that's when we started the Speaker Lab about six years ago and sort of doing coaching training around that. So that's the core of what we do today is we, we teach people uh, how to find and book paid speaking engagements. So we work with clients literally all over the world, all different subjects, topics, ages, stages of life, and uh, help them understand how to uh, uh, speak and get paid to do it. That's awesome. I'd,
0: I'd love to dive in a little bit deeper to you know the transition into speaking. And also I'm sure there was so, quite a few struggles along the way. It wasn't just a, a smooth, easy transition, but why and when did you decide to make the transition? You said you went to Bible college. So how and why did you decide to make that transition?
1: Yeah, really good question. So uh... I think a, a big part of the transition was when my wife was pregnant with our, our oldest daughter. And so uh, there's nothing like bringing a kid into the world. that just causes you to question everything. Like what the heck am I doing with my life? And the church where I was on staff, there were parts of it. I liked parts of it where I, I, I didn't like. And um, the, unfortunately the, the, the uh, main guy that I worked for was just less than a, he was not an extraordinary man uh, in in, uh, many ways we could say. And so it just caused me to kind of think through like, okay, what is it that I really want to do with my life? And so when um, I I left that role, my wife was about six months pregnant. Um, We didn't have like another job or career lined up, didn't have a ton of savings. And so I actually had a lot of people questioning, like well-meaning people just going like, hey man, have you thought this through at all? And you got a plan? And I was like, I thought I did, but I'm really second guessing. And, um, and so for about uh, it's like nine months to a year. Or so I was, I worked a couple different odd jobs. I worked at a, at a um, security company doing uh, like sales, like door-to-door home security sales stuff. I uh, worked at a couple different fine dining restaurants as a server and just like trying to make ends meet. So none of this was like these career aspirations. It was just kind of like, I'm trying to lick my wounds and also figure out what I'm, what I'm doing next. And the thing I kept coming back to was speaking. Um, and it was one of those things that I felt like, um you know do i have what it takes to do this can i actually be successful at this you know what if i what if i what if this is not a success what if this is a big flop um but i also felt like i i I don't know unless I try and I didn't want to get to the end of my life and look back with regret of what could have been, man, I think I could have given that a, I think I could have made that work, but I'll never know. Cause I didn't give it a shot. And so, um, thankfully I have a very, very supportive wife and, and she, Hey, I believe in you and support you. And, and so, yeah, that, that transition was, um, kind of the interim between being a youth pastor and really going all in on speaking was really, really difficult, but at the same time, I, I wouldn't change anything about it. And it really, um, uh, it kind of forced me to to uh, jump in or, you know, abandon ship and do something different.
0: That's awesome. And by the way, congratulations on 20 years of, of being married. That's a, a big Thanks, milestone man. for sure. So what would you say was like your breakthrough moment where you actually believed you could make things work as a speaker?
1: Um Yeah, I think one of the big moments was um I think the first like uh, true paid gig that I had, I uh, once I made the decision to do this, I started reaching out to a couple, I lived in, in uh, Missouri at the time and reached out to a couple of different um, organizations, groups in the area. And I, uh, there's a, a group that was looking for a speaker. They ended up hiring me. And uh, I went and I spoke, there's probably 300 uh, like high school students there, I spoke for probably half hour, 45 minutes, and they paid me a thousand dollars. And uh, I worked so hard on the speech and the presentation and get there. It went really, really well. Got a standing ovation, had people coming up to me afterwards. Oh, that was really cool. And the, the event planner came up to me, handed me that check. And I went back to my car uh, in the parking lot and I just sat down and started crying. I just like, dang, that was so much fun. And I can't believe they paid me a thousand dollars to do that, which at the time was just like, you may as well just give me a million dollars. is just an astronomical amount of money. Uh, But it just, there was a huge, huge vote of confidence of like, I can do this. Like, this is a big deal. And that's a, it's a big part of what we do now with speakers and and the coaching and training that we do is uh, help them have the confidence that they can actually do this. Because there's a, a, a lot of people who are Interested in speaking. A lot of guys are interested in, uh, in, in speaking whether they want to do that full-time or just do it on the side and, and who are, are going like, I just don't know if I could do this or if I have what it takes. And we have a lot of self-doubt and insecurities and fears and worries and like all just normal human emotions. And so it's a, a big thing that we try to do is, is help instill that confidence that you can do this. It's not easy, um, like anything in life that you, you get out of it, what you put into it, but you can absolutely you know be, be a speaker um, and,
0: and, and uh, share your message with the world. That's an amazing story. I love hearing the, the behind the scenes of, of what it was like starting out. And I mean, that's real life right there. Totally. Um, what do you love about speaking?
1: I, you know, I love the uh, the opportunity to really make an impact with, with people. And, you know, whenever, uh, speaking is one of those things where you get real time feedback from the audience, meaning like you and I are just right now we're recording this. We're in two different States, um, talking over the interwebs and recording it. And people are going to, uh, listen to it at some point. And we, for the most part, will never see someone listen to our podcast. Uh, when, um, if you have a book, you know, you, the author doesn't get to watch someone read their book. Uh, but whenever you speak, you get that real-time feedback of people nodding, or people sleeping, or people laughing, or smiling, or taking notes, or having these ahas and epiphanies and eureka moments. And so, I think that's really, really—that's um, one of the things I really enjoy about speaking—is—is um, is that ability to get that real-time feedback and to 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 make a, a tangible difference. I think you know we we could all talk about speakers who have impacted our lives and whether it's a, um, you know, something specific that they said, or we remember an event where we saw a speaker or um, we, you know, a a speaker that we had interacted with or knew or met or something that like had some of a profound impact on our life. And so I think that, you know, with what we do now within the speaker lab, and uh, if we're able to help facilitate that for other speakers, it's, it's really, really rewarding.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, the real time feedback is, uh, like you mentioned, that's a big time difference between podcast or writing a book or something, and it, it it's right. cool to see that. At least when it's positive, right? Totally. People are falling asleep, maybe not as fun. Could you share a little bit more about what is the Speaker Lab and and why you started it?
1: Yeah, so the Speaker Lab, I, I started because I I wanted to help speakers who are where I was when I got started. Like I said, I I felt like I had the potential, but I needed the plan. I had the potential, but I needed the plan. Meaning I felt like I was a decent speaker. I'd spoke at church a bunch, spoke at a, you know, other youth group things from time to time, Spoken big church every so often. And I felt like I was okay, but I just, and I wanted to do more of, I just didn't know what to do. And it's kind of like, man, if someone would just tell me what to do, I feel like I can execute, I can implement, but I just need someone to tell me what to do. And we found that there's a, a lot of speakers who are in the same spot. Again, people who, maybe you, uh, those who are listening, who have done a few gigs here or there, maybe they've spoken something for free. They did something for work. They did something at their church and would, would love to get paid for it. or love to get paid more or do it more often. And just like, I just, I don't know, like some things have fallen in my lap and I don't really know what to do from here. And so what we want to do is just say, no, you can do this. Uh, and here's the steps and the roadmap that you need to take. And so, um, yeah, that's the core of what we do today is through the, the Speaker Lab is a, a coaching training program for uh, those who are,
0: are uh, speaking and interested in speaking. That's awesome. Definitely very needed. So what advice would you give to someone who is interested, or maybe they're already started along the way of of becoming a speaker, but they're not really sure what to do?
1: Yeah. So what we do is uh, inside um, the speaker lab, we we have a, what we call a speaker success roadmap. It makes the acronym SPEAK, S-P-E-A-K. So uh, if you want, I I can just walk through at a kind of a high level what that is, and then we can kind of dig in wherever you want to go. But um, the first part of the process S is select a problem to solve, select a problem to solve. Now, this is the Kind of the most important foundational part of the process, and this comes down to answering two key questions. So, number one, who do you speak to? And number two, what problem do you solve? So, most speakers have a really difficult time with this because whenever it comes to who do I speak to, I don't know, man. I, I speak to people. I speak to humans. I speak to everybody. My message is for everyone, and it's like, yeah, okay. And, I, and tell me, what what do you speak about? I'm like, well, what do you want me to speak about? I can speak about anything. I can speak about podcasting or business or marriage or family or faith or on and on the list goes. And what we think is we need to spread the net. As far and wide as possible, but that's ultimately not what, what organizers, event planners, decision makers are looking for. So a way to think about this is you want to be the steakhouse and not the buffet. The steakhouse and not the buffet. Meaning, Ryan, if you and I are going, um, we're looking for a good steak, like we have a choice. We could go to a buffet where steak is one of a hundred different things that they offer and they're all mediocre, or we could go to a steakhouse where they do one thing, but they do that one thing really, really, really well. They don't do pasta, they don't do seafood, they don't do tacos, they do steak and that's 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 it. And so it's, again, it's counterintuitive, but we the the more narrow the more focused you are the easier it is to actually find and book gigs so that's the first part of the process the s selecting a problem to solve p is to prepare your talk be really really clear on what the solution is that you are providing now that can come in the form of uh, a keynote a workshop a, a breakout a seminar it could come in the you know a, a shorter presentation it could come over the course of a couple of days and uh, it could be something that is in person it could be something virtually and so there's a lot of different options but being clear on what's the solution that you're providing for the problem that, that you're solving. The next part of the process is e establish yourself as the expert. Establish yourself as the expert. So, two key marketing assets that every speaker needs is you need a website and you need a demo video. Website and demo video. So, uh, in this day and age, if you don't have a website, you don't exist. And people just won't take you seriously. And the demo video, think of it like a uh, like a movie trailer. You know that there's a let's say a 90 minute or two hour movie. And before any of us would go see a movie, like we want to see the trailer. And what that trailer is, is they take that movie, they boil it down to two or three minutes. Within those two or three minutes, you have an idea of who's in it, what's the plot, what's the theme. And the goal of the movie trailer and the goal of the demo video is to give you enough to whet your appetite and make you want to see more. And so, for an event planner, before they're going to hire you, they're going to want to see something that gives them some level of confidence in hiring you. So, you need a website. You need a demo video. Next part A is to acquire. Paid speaking gigs. Now, this is the part we want to fast forward to. Like, man, just tell me how to book gigs. But if you don't have these other foundational pieces in place first, it's really, really hard to book gigs. So, a acquire paid speaking gigs, meaning like you have a system, you have a process, you are more proactive than reactive. Sometimes people assume like, okay, I have my website, a video. Now, I just sit back and I, I wait for the phone to ring. I wait for people to magically um, uh, just stumble across uh, my stuff, and like that just doesn't work. And so, what we want to teach is a a practical system for consistently being able to find and book gigs. And then the last part of the process is K, know when to scale. Meaning if you uh, are interested in speaking, you're probably also interested in coaching or consulting or doing a podcast or doing a book or doing a course or doing any number of things. And so you can do all the things, but you can't do all the things at once. Meaning something's going to come first. Something's going to come last. You've got to be clear about how speaking fits into the mix. So it's kind of a long answer, but that's the big picture. That's kind of the, uh, what we teach in terms of the speaker success roadmap I'm going like, I'm interested
0: in speaking. Where do I begin? The speak framework is what you need to follow. love it. Great job breaking it down. So I have a couple of follow-up questions. So Do you think people can go too niche? Because, like you said, a lot of people they just want to speak for everybody, which is not a good idea. But is it possible to go too niche down?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And so there is kind of this overlap between that you're looking for between what you're interested in, what you're passionate about, what you're knowledgeable on, and then what is it that organizations and groups and the industry like actually hire speakers to talk about? There has to be some type of overlap. Meaning, you know, if you're if you're going like, hey man, I'm the world's greatest expert on underwater basket weaving. It's like that's awesome. I don't know of any, you know speaking opportunities that exist for that. But at the same time if you just say like I just want to be a motivational speaker it's like okay what does that mean you know. Um so you absolutely want to find that that balance there between um what that you know solving a specific problem for a specific audience but not being so vague and and um and general that it's for everybody and nobody at the same time. And honestly some of that that comes with with time. You know whenever you are uh, whenever you're figuring this out, you're, you're kind of making an educated guess of what's going to work in the marketplace. And then you're kind of making some iterations and pivots along the way. That's also a core part of, of what we do within our, our training programs is uh, it's kind of like that expression. It's hard to read the label from inside the jar. So for speakers who are going like, I'm interested in speaking, here's a dozen different things I think I could speak about and a dozen different audiences. And we want to come alongside you and help narrow that down to get some clarity on here's what this could look
0: like. And here's here's what might make sense for you. Yeah, for sure. I mean, one of my favorite quotes is action brings clarity, right? It, totally. We want to figure it out a hundred percent before we get started, but that's not really the way it works. Totally. Um, what about for somebody who's just starting out and they don't have a, a demo video and what should they do?
1: Yeah. It, uh, whenever it comes to the demo video, it can be something that it's easy to get hung up on. And it's kind of this chicken egg situation. So I need footage in order to get gigs. I need gigs in order to get footage, which comes first. Uh, and so w- a couple things I I would uh, remind speakers of one is that you are creating version 1.0, meaning that uh, at this stage of my own personal career, I've had probably seven or eight or nine different demo videos. And so in the beginning, you work with what you've got, you do it with excellence and you improve as you go. And so I had my first demo video. Um, I went to a another friend who is a youth pastor in town. I went and spoke at his youth group, spoke to it. There's probably 30 kids in there. Um, and I borrowed like a, this was again, 16, 17 years ago. I borrowed a little handy cam from a friend, set it up on a tripod in the side of the room. The audio was bad. The acoustics were bad. The lighting was bad, but it, it worked. It booked me my first few gigs. And those next few gigs, I, um, I got some better footage and improved the demo video so again work with what you got and improve as you go now a couple of things you could do is you could find some type of local event to speak at for free. Again, that could be a church. It could be something for work. It could be a a chamber of commerce. You know, it could be um, a rotary club or something like that. So you could do that. Another option is that you could speak to an empty room. Now, this is weird. I get that. But uh, if you're going to do this, one big caveat here is you want to do this in the type of setting where someone would actually hire you to speak, meaning nobody's hiring you to speak in your living room or your kitchen or your bathroom. So don't record it there. You want to go to an actual theater, auditorium, banquet hall, conference center, Boardroom, some type of setting where someone would actually hire you to speak. And I'll give you a quick example of this. Uh, a few years ago, I had a demo video, and I was speaking at a, a big conference, a big event, and nice stage. And the demo video is just a tight shot of me on stage. It's like clips from the entire talk, but it's just a tight shot of me on stage for the entire thing. And so sometimes I've shared that with speakers and said, "Hey, how many people are in the audience? What do you think?" And you get all kinds of guesses, of nobody to you know five people to a hundred people. There's actually 3,000 people in the audience, but you never see any of them. There's no audience shots at all. It's literally just me on stage the entire time. So you have no clue how many people are in the audience. So that can be a viable option. It's just to shoot something in an empty
0: room. Now, again, I know it feels weird and strange, but that can work for for that version 1.0. Great advice. So let's talk a little bit more about actually getting paid to speak, because there's a lot of people out there that are great speakers, but they don't understand the business side and how you actually get paid. Did you share maybe a a few practical tips on on that side?
1: Yeah. So a few things. One would be that, uh, remember, every speaker starts from scratch. And so it's, sometimes it's easy to, to look at um, speakers who've been at this for a long time who get paid tens of thousands of dollars and you think, ah, I could never I could never do that. Well, there are um, there was a time where they had never done a gig and then they did their first gig and then they did their first paid gig. So realize again, everybody starts from scratch and that that's okay. The other thing I would say is to be really, really clear on what your goals are with speaking. Meaning, are you wanting to do this um, as a full-time thing? Are you wanting to do this on the side? Are you wanting to do this as lead gym? for some other part of your your business. Let's so, say so you have some type of product or service that you want to offer. And so speaking can be a really good form of lead generation. I'll give you a quick example. There was a, a client that we worked with and they did a lot of coaching. I believe they were doing like life coaching. And uh, they what they would do is they'd go speak at uh, a variety of different events, but they'd speak at the right type of events, but they would speak for free. And so they'd do a whole bunch of events. And and on paper, you're like, well, what's the point of that? You're doing all this free speaking, but it was lead gen for their coaching business. Their coaching business generated several hundred thousand dollars, but the whole thing is built on these free engagements. And so it's important to be clear again for for you, like what your goal is with speaking. And so for them speaking for free made a ton of sense for someone else speaking for free may not make sense. Uh, And so be clear what the goals are for for you as speaking the other thing is is whenever it comes to speaking fees that they it kind of evolves and changes you want to you want to make sure that you recognize you're providing something of value and you need to receive something of value and that doesn't always come in the form of, of a check there's a lot of ways to get paid for speaking that go way beyond just whether or not you you got a check so for example let's say that you're selling some type of product or service and you go and you speak at something and you get a bunch of clients from that that's worth something let's say that that you go and there's a um' you're you're speaking to an audience, you know that the audience has a bunch of decision makers and event planners, and some of them end up hiring you for other engagements or opportunities. That's worth something. Um, travel is worth something. My wife has uh, half joking, half serious said that uh, I will speak for free as long in Hawaii as long as the whole family gets to tag along, right? Um, There's a friend of mine a couple of years ago. He was invited, he doesn't do a ton of speaking, but he was invited to speak at something in Europe. And he's like, I don't really do any speaking. And I was like, you know what you should do? Is let's turn this into a European vacation for you and your wife. And so he negotiated to have them fly he and his wife over there to stay um, to pay for additional accommodations for several days. And so they paid him less than what he would have liked, but he got a European vacation out of her for, he, for he and his wife. So all that to say, like there's a lot of different ways that you can get value from a, a speaking gig that goes beyond whether or not you you got paid in the form of a
0: check. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. Thinking outside the box. So What would you tell someone who's starting out and they have no idea what they should charge? Yeah.
1: So there's a bunch of different factors, variables that go into what you should charge. Um, One's going to be your industry. You can charge more in some industries versus others. You can charge more speaking to corporations versus nonprofits. You can charge more speaking to colleges versus high schools. It's not that one's necessarily better or worse than the other, but every industry is going to be slightly different. Uh, Another variable and factor is going to be your marketing materials. So we talked about your website, your demo video, whether we like it or not, people judge books by their cover. And so you want to make sure those things look sharp. They look professional. Now that doesn't mean that you need to have spent tens of thousands of dollars. Uh, and in fact, inside um, uh, some of our training programs, we actually create your website and demo video for you. So just to remove that barrier, we take care of that. Uh, but having those just look sharp and professional makes a big difference. Another variable and factor is going to be your experience. Meaning if you're, just a, if you're a brand new speaker, just getting started, you haven't really spoke before, you're just probably not as good of a speaker as someone who's been doing this for 10, 20 years. And they're probably just a better speaker. So there's a, a variety of factors that go into what you should charge. So uh, we, we put together actually a shortcut and this may help. Um, we put together a free speaking fee calculator. So if people want to check it out they can go to myspeakerfee.com, myspeakerfee.com. It's a totally free calculator. There's probably 10 questions or so, multiple choice. You answer some questions. It'll spit out a number for you at the bottom of what you should be charging. Now, speaking fees is much more of an art than a science, but it gives you something. It gets you in the ballpark versus just like, man, I don't, I don't have any clue uh, where to even begin. So myspeakerfee.com is a great, Uh, free speaking fee calculator to to check
0: out. Awesome. I'll make sure there's a a link to that down in the show notes below. Uh, How important has investing yourself been to your success? I think it's massively important
1: um, in a variety of different ways, and and even today I continue to invest in myself and better myself and be around people who are uh, are are a step or two ahead of of me and continue to to push me and challenge me. So, and this can come in a lot of different forms. You know, it can come in the form of listening to good podcasts like this one, and you know, reading books and trying to better yourself. It can come in the form of joining um, coaching programs, whether that's a group coaching or one-on-one coaching. There's a coach I meet with on a monthly basis, every single month, just to it's a guy who's about 20 years older than me, um, has been has a very successful marriage, has two grown daughters. He has a very successful business. And so I, I spend time talking to him just like, hey, man, tell me, how do I be like you when I grow up? Like, How do I become just a, a better human being? Uh, and so um, there's a couple of different masterminds that I invest in that I'm a part of. And so I try to regularly, again, surround myself with people who are uh, where I want to be both personally and professionally.
0: We're going to switch gears here a little bit. So you mentioned right away in the interview about you know your most important roles as a husband and as a dad. So mm-hmm. any practical tips you can share with us about uh, balancing building a successful business with being a great dad and a great husband?
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm not perfect by any means, but um, some things that I do that I think have worked well is uh, just having really clear boundaries, um, meaning like I work from home. I love what I get to do. And so it's easy for me to just go and go and go just because it's, it's fun. It's enjoyable. It's a, it's a fun challenge. But um, my wife homeschools our daughters. Um, and so uh, one of the good sides is that we're all together all the time. The bad side is that we're all together all the time, um, and so it can be easy for me just to kind of get locked in here in, in my own office and and plug away. But so I got to make sure, like, hey, I, I want to make sure that when um, I'm done with the day, that I, I'm I'm done with the day, and I'm I'm not. Sneaking back in here to work, but I'm making sure that I'm spending time with the girls and hanging out with them. One thing uh, that we started several years ago is that my wife and I do um, one-on-one trips with each of the girls, and we kind of rotate years. So, for example, um, this particular year, I just did a one-on-one trip with our youngest a few weeks ago. My um, wife and our middle daughter have a one-on-one trip in a couple weeks, uh, and then uh, I've got a trip with our oldest um, later in the year, and we'll and then we rotate who which parent is taking which kid each year that one-on-one time with with the kids has been incredibly incredibly valuable and so we'll just we'll find somewhere to go for for two or three nights, and um, and when we started doing it, uh, like I, I mentioned, we live here in the Nashville area, and so the first few trips were, uh, we just would go like downtown Nashville for one night, and we went like play mini golf and and to um uh, go ice skating and get some ice cream, and like that's that was it, that's all we did. Uh, but those one-on-one trips and experiences with the kids have been incredibly, incredibly valuable, just to have that one-on-one time. So, um, another thing I try to do right now is a big distraction for me and for a lot of guys is is their phone. And it's just easy to pick up your phone for like no reason whatsoever. I find myself just pulling out my phone, for nothing, I don't have anything. I'm looking. I'm just you know scrolling and thumb and looking for notifications and just completely dumb. And so one thing I do is I I track on a daily basis. Um, and you can do this within your 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 phone. Like iPhone tracks this, but uh, tracks the amount of time that you spend on your phone and the number of, of pickups on your phone. How many times you're opening your phone and like it's ridiculous. Um, but tracking it definitely brings an awareness where. I'm trying, I feel like I've definitely gotten better of, uh, just not being on my phone all the time for no reason. Uh, phones can be great devices, but they can also be a huge, huge waste of time and, and, and mental distraction. So, um, just tracking that
0: has been a big thing that helped me improve in that area. I love it. Yeah. Just being more intentional is so important. And the totally. the one-on-one trips I think is amazing. I mean, your daughters will probably remember that for the rest of their lives. So amazing stuff there. If you could go back in time and speak to your 20-year-old self, what three pieces of advice would you give yourself? And first of all, also uh, tell us like, where were you and what were you doing when you were 20 years old?
1: Yeah. Uh, good question. Um, all right. So I was 20. Uh, I mean, we would have just gotten married. Um, and so uh, we we like I said we are high school sweethearts we started dating when I was 15 uh, she was 17 that's right uh and then um yeah we got We got married when I was 20. And so I think when I I think a couple of things I would say would be one, like really enjoy those moments. Um, I'll give you a quick example. So our oldest recently turned 16. And so we were thinking about, okay, like, do we, when it comes to a car, do we buy the car? Does she buy the car? Do we split it? Who does what? Um, We are big proponents of avoiding debt. Um, We don't have any debt in our, in our, personally or professionally, we just paid off our house. And so we're big advocates of, you know, avoiding debt. And so we're like, okay, just because we have the means to buy our kid a car does that mean that we should and so in fact this this coach that I meet with on a monthly basis one of the things he said was you know it, it's okay for kids to struggle it's okay for humans to struggle and so like when we were in our early uh, 20s and our, my wife and I just got married like we were we were broke and living on love you know we're eating hamburger helper leftovers every single night and you're just like making it work. And like, now we have like a really, really great life, but I'm really grateful for those experiences and those moments that we had, like, cause that really gives a, a level of gratitude and appreciation and also a sense of accomplishment of like, look where we are now and look where we started. And it's not because we had something given to us. It's not because we won the lottery. It's because we worked really, really hard and we've been super intentional. So that'd be one thing I'd say, just enjoy the moment um, of where we're at. Um, another thing I would say would be um, to, uh, I think, especially early on, I was kind of worried, like, how's, how's all this going to play out? And, you know, what's life going to look like? And are we going to make it? Are we going to be okay? You know? And, you know, if I'm a speaker, is this going to, can I be successful at this? And so I, I would probably just tell myself like, Hey man, it's going to be all right. <laughs> Chill out. You're, you're fine. Uh, don't stress. Uh, don't, don't uh, overcomplicate things or don't worry, you know, do, do the right things. Um, so yeah, those would be a couple of things I think that, that come to mind uh, just
0: be present in the moment and also not be too stressed about what the future holds. For sure. Yeah. Really good advice. All right. Last question for you here, Grant, what is your definition of an extraordinary man?
1: Uh, that's a good one. Um, so one thing I, I I tell our team, I talk with, uh, I speak about is the idea that who you are is more important than what you do. Who you are is more important than what you do. Meaning... Um, you know, if you and I are good speakers, podcasters, entrepreneurs, business leaders, but we drop the ball as husbands, as dads, as um, friends, as sons, if we are a shell of a human being, we're doing something wrong. So, like I said, my I really believe my most important roles are being a good husband and being a good father. And so, if I'm a great business owner and I make a difference in everybody else's life, but my I don't have a great relationship with my kids and my marriage sucks, like I've really dropped the ball. So, what makes an extraordinary man? I think that that uh, I I love. Guys that are killing it in the ways that matter, and so they're killing it personally. They're killing it with their in their marriage. They're really being intentional about it. They're being intentional with their health. They're being intentional in their relationships with their kids. Um, they're making decisions that are investing into their their kids' lives. Uh, oh, and by the way, they do well in their business or they do well with their career. Like I love career stuff. I love entrepreneurship stuff. I love business stuff. But I mean, if you're if you're killing it in that, but you're dropping the ball as a as a husband or as a dad, you're just like, man, you're just missing it. And And so what makes an extraordinary man is a guy that really
0: is doing well in the areas that matter. Love that answer. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't really matter if you're a a billionaire, but you have a miserable marriage, your kids hate you. You know, who cares, right? Yep, exactly. Where can people go to find out more about you and connect with you, Grant?
1: Yeah, everything we do is over at thespeakerlab.com, thespeakerlab.com. If you like this podcast, you probably listen to other podcasts. So we have a, a podcast by the same name, The Speaker Lab Podcast, The Speaker Lab Podcast. Uh, we got a book called The Successful Speaker. Uh, and so that five step framework, that speak framework that we talked through earlier, if people are interested in that, check that out, The Successful Speaker. Um, and yeah, like I said, every, everything we do is over at uh, thespeakerlab.com.
0: Awesome. I'll make sure there are Links to all that, as well as the, the speaker fee calculator that you mentioned earlier. But Grant, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show.
1: Right. Thanks, man. Enjoyed
0: it. Guys, thanks so much for joining me on another episode of the Extraordinary Man podcast. Here's the thing. You're never going to maximize your potential on your own. So I'm personally inviting you to come and join me in the private Extraordinary Man Facebook group so you can level up your business and your life. Just head over to Facebook and type extraordinary man into the search box and it will show up as the first result. Iron sharpens iron and this is the number one place for you to connect with me and other like-minded men who are on a mission to maximize their potential. My goal is to help you become the man God created you to be in all areas of your life. So come and join us in the Facebook group and upgrade your business and your life. I'll see you on the next episode.